Welcome to Samford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. Good morning. I want to first thank Dr. Curling for giving me the opportunity to speak with you today on this series that he's done for the last for this semester on Proverbs. Uh, but before I begin, I want to tell you a quick little story. I have a small child. My daughter is named Shawnee. She's 11 years old. But when she was a little child, we would take her to church and we would tell her, Shawnee, you need to be extremely quiet when we're in church. You need to be mindful and very respectful of the person that's up talking and that's preaching. And we would preach this to her over and over and over and over again. And we would say, you got to be extremely quiet when you're here. And she would say, okay. And she would sit there and wouldn't say a word. And finally I said, maybe I should ask her, why is it that I'm asking you to be quiet? So I said, Shawnee, why does mommy ask you to be quiet when we're in church? And you know what she said? Because people are sleeping, mom. So I'm hoping that that's not you today, because that's what she would tell me. The people are sleeping, you have to be very quiet because they're in there sleeping. But I know that's not going to happen to you all today. You're not going to be one of those that are sleeping and texting, and you're going to be enjoying what, we have to, what I have to offer and give to you today. So I'm going to make sure I let her know that, no, it's not that. We have to be respectful and reverent of the person that's up speaking with us today. And so again, I want to thank Dr. Curling for allowing me the opportunity to be a part of the Proverbs series. And so when I was initially thinking about what I was going to say and what Proverbs I was going to choose, I said, um, you know, Proverbs is just, a, just a, any chapter you turn to in the book, you're going to always find a verse that gives you basically a little short life lesson. Any Proverbs chapter you turn to, you pick a verse, there's one line, and you get a lesson just from that one line. Just so quick. And so I said... Well, which one am I going to choose? Started flipping through and thinking about what was best and what I thought would be important for our students. And I said, I know. Proverbs 16. That's it. Proverbs 16, verses 1 through 3, and also verses 8 through 9. And they read, To humans belong the plans of the earth, of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Verses 8 and 9, better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So as you can see in those small verses, in those five sentences that I just gave you, each one of those sentences is a small life lesson. So when I read these verses, I think of three things that come to mind when I talk about these five verses. And they are, one, create a plan. Create a plan. Two, commit that plan to God. And then finally, count on God. Create, commit, and count. In the first verse, it says, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord, comes the proper answer of the tongue. The Living Bible translates that to say, we can make our plans, but the final outcome is in God's hand. Now, God has a purpose for each of us, for each person here on this earth. Here is a scripture. It is clear that God wants us to create a plan, and that planning is good for our lives. In our plans, we must decide and make decisions that are wise and pleasing to him. 
I am the director of diversity here at Sanford and also a professor of chemistry in our uh, department of chemistry here on campus. And in my role as a faculty member in this department, I develop plans of what I will teach, how I will deliver uh, my information to my students. How am I going to evaluate the students? How do I teach a particular topic that can be difficult for some? How do I get them to understand that? And then I create all these strategies and I put them into a syllabus and then I give those um, concepts of those teachings to my students. But one thing about that, once I have that plan that I'm going to create, I have to also present that plan of action of what I'm going to do to my department chair to get his buy-in, to get his approval, to make sure this is on course with what he is expecting for me to do in our department. The chair decides if the plan is best for all the students. And like my plan that I have created for my class and have approved by my chair, I must also take my plan for life and have it approved by God. God has given us the area to make a plan and we must seek him for the proper answer. When we make plans for our lives and our step, next steps in life, we must know that our plans must be pleasing to him. God's got a wider plan for us. It's wider for this bigger organization. And from him, we get the proper answer. So according to verse 1, it's in our territory to make plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes the proper answers of the tongue. God has the last say. So I say to you, plan big dreams, plan things that will keep you awake at night, that will lead you to the glory of God. Plan things that get your heart beating to where you're so excited to think about whatever it is. But remember in those plans, be sure that they are in line with what God expects from us. So let's create those plans and find those big dreams and dream big, but be sure we create plans that are pleasing to God. So, number one, create your plan. Repeat after me, create your plan. Create your plan. Now, when you create your plan, you must have a sense of where you want to go in life. But know that your plan may not be as direct as you think it should be. Now, I'm sure each of you learned probably back, probably before even geometry, back when you were a small child that the quickest path from point A to point P is a what? From point A to point B is a straight line. That's the easiest and the most direct path. But although that's the quickest route, the shortest route in life, those are preferred by us, but we know what? God doesn't draw straight lines. He doesn't get us there directly all the time. There's usually some curves that are there, some bumps, some detours, some things that take us off path of what we initially expected or wanted in life. But through all those different interactions, all those encounters, all those different things that have taken place, they do what? They shape and they mold us and they help develop us in our path so that we can follow that plan of God. We know the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph had a plan. What was Joseph's plan? He believed initially that he was supposed to be a what? He was supposed to dream. He was supposed to dream. Verses 5 through 11 in the third and ninth chapter of Genesis say, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I have. 
We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now we know in the scripture that those sheaves represent Joseph standing up and the other sheaves that are bowing down are his brothers and the people. His brother said to him in verse 8, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and what he said. Then he had another dream, and he told his brothers, Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And we know that sun and moon represents his mother and father, and the eleven uh, stars represent his brothers. And when he told his father, all is well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now we see in this story that Joseph's plan, all he knew that he would be, had to lead. That's all that he knew about his plan. But he didn't know how he was going to get there. He knew when he was in a point of his life that in his plan was going to be a different point to where he started. And his journey was not going to be a direct path from A to B. So Joseph started out as a dreamer, but his true calling was to be a dream interpreter. I'm sure most of you know the story and how it goes where he was sold by his brothers into slavery because of their jealousy. And his path was not a path that he had imagined for himself. So Joseph goes from the pit to Potiphar to prison to the palace. And finally, when he reaches the palace, he's there to rule. So as we see, his path wasn't direct. He didn't go straight there. But one thing that we see in this situation is that the Lord was with him. In Genesis 39, it says, But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor. Which leads me to my second lesson in Proverbs 16, and that is commit your work. Repeat, commit your work. Does anybody remember what number one was? I'm sorry to hear. Create your plan. And now we're going to commit our work. Create your plan and commit your work. In verses 2 and 3 it says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plan. The Living Translation says, we can always prove that we are right, but is the Lord convinced? Commit your work to the Lord, then it will succeed. We don't always know what's the best way to handle life, but when we trust God's guidance and his teaching, life becomes so much better. God is the one that has power of all things. There are things on this earth that have power and authority. There are people on this earth that have power and authority. There are situations here on earth that have power and authority. But God, oh yes, God has power and authority over all things, over all these things. And the power and authority of these earthly situations are no match for the power and authority of God has over all these earthly people, situations, and disappointments. There may be difficult times in your life that will challenge you, and you may not, that may not be good. God promises that there will be trials and tribulations, and he also promises to each of us that there will be negative things that will come. But he also promises to each of us that he will be with you. He can use all things for the good for those that love him. 
And therefore, we can have confidence in knowing that he has control of all situations, regardless of what comes our way. And this is why we must commit our works to him, because we have confidence in knowing that he is in control and will sustain our plan. Commit your work. In verses 1 through 3 of Proverbs, we recognize we should create a plan, commit our work. And in the last part of this text, I've chosen verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. From these verses, I say, count on God. Verses 8 and 9 demonstrate how we should count on the Lord. Committing your works to God may sometimes put you in a position to where you have to do the things where it seems that if these things may not be where you want to go or may not get you to where you want to be in life. And they may slow you down or may even be the long route to take to get you where you think you should be in life. But placing your desires in positions where you're serving God and counting on God allows you to transform the way you approach the situation. The Living Bible translates verses 8 and 9 and says, A little gain, honestly, is better than the great wealth gotten by dishonest means. And so we should make plans and count on God to direct us in making those decisions. And so from these verses, I say, count on God. I've invited Senior Joshua Washington to share the stage with me at this time, in which he was tested and needed to call on the Lord to help him in a decision of where it appeared to him that he would gain a lot by being dishonest in a particular situation. He will share with you how he had to count on God and hold on to the words in verse 8 when being dishonest about a situation appeared to be initially to be a benefit to him. But in this scenario, we'll find out God had a greater plan. Joshua. Hello, everyone. Um, I remember sophomore year, this, this scripture became very clear to me through a situation I was going through. It's, it's, it's very easy, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to uh, read these scriptures and see how it applies to your daily lives. And so I had a situation my sophomore year where I had a class where our teacher said, you know what guys, I'm gonna give you two final exams. The first final exam I'm gonna give you, uh, you're gonna have 100 questions in 50 minutes. Now that was ridiculous to me because all of our previous tests, we had 50 questions in 40 minutes. So he doubled the amount of questions, but only gave us 10 extra minutes. And then he said, you know, as well, you know, I'm gonna give you a second final exam on these videos you will never see again. And so, you know, I, I was heated in this boy. I was heated. Uh, I said, <laughs> you playing games right now. Uh, <laughs> thinking I'm fixing to be able to to do these uh, two final exams. And so to make matters worse, uh, this 100 question final exam was over material you really couldn't study for. The questions were things such as, you know, what's the amount of people in America that, that smoke? Was it 49%, 51%, 26%, or 62%? And the numbers could be so close that it didn't matter if you studied, you wouldn't remember the exact numbers. And there were 100 questions just like that. And you know, our previous test, we were able to use our notes, but you know what he says this time? You can't use your notes. And then on top of that, he says, you know, uh, 
you've been using your notes, you've had more time, but this time I'm not going to give you enough time and I'm not going to allow you to uh, use your notes and I'm not going to give you the answers uh, to the previous test questions. So I'll just give you your grade, but I I won't show you what you missed. And so I was heated. Uh, You know, I was complaining, I was upset. Until one day, uh, the Lord woke me up one morning, like five o'clock in the morning. You know, I just kind of got up and I started praying and reading God's word. And, you know, I got to this place where I was like, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know how I'm going to get through this situation, but I'm trusting in you. And there was a certain peace in the moment, even though my situation had not changed. And I tell you, later on that day, that exact day, my teacher came into the classroom and he said, guys, I have two pieces of good news for you all. The first you don't have to take that second final exam. His reasoning made no sense, and I quite, I really didn't care. <laughs> uh, and the second piece of good news was, he said, you know, it's, it's come to my attention that some of you all's laptops uh, don't have good battery power, and so um, there are not enough outlets in here to charge a computer, so you can take the test where you want and you can use your notes. Bam, to the issue gone. But there was still the issue of 100 questions in 50 minutes. Ridiculous. And so many times when you're put in these situations, there will be alternative measures to try to take care of the issue. And so as, you, as Dr. Gregory was talking about, you, you can choose little with righteousness or choose great wonders with a little injustice. And so some people came to me and said, Joshua, I know how we can tackle these 100 questions. Let's split up these questions four ways. You take 25, I'll take 25, and them two will take 25. And we'll spend the whole 50 minutes on those 25 questions, and then we'll compile it at the end, and we'll make a 100. That sounds good to me. I don't know about y'all, but I love 100, especially on this ridiculous test, because you know, it's, it's ridiculous. I got 100 questions, 50 minutes, nobody can do that. But then on the opposite side, I said, but, but the Lord said, but will you trust me? And so I'm faced with this dilemma because, you know, many times when people tell you stories of how to do God's will, do do what God tells you, they make it sound like when you do what God says, everything's just going to be okay. But when I chose not to cheat, everything wasn't okay. They were fixing to make their 100, I was fixing to fail. But nobody wants to tell you how, 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 you know, they want to uh, this pretty picture, paint this pretty picture as if when you obey God's will, everything would just be okay instantly. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm doing what you said. I'm not going to cheat, but I need you to help me out. So what he ended up doing, he had me to email my teacher. And, and I emailed my teacher. I said, is there some type of way you can help, you can review with me on these questions? He, he told me to come to his office, and he ended up giving me a packet of questions and the answers to every test question and quiz question I've ever missed. Then the Lord took me through my notes and had me to highlight answers uh, of previous quiz questions in my notes. And then he took me to uh, where we had our quizzes and he had me to write down my quizzes, uh, quiz questions and then write down the answers. And that way if I made a 100 on the quiz, then I knew I had all the answers to those quiz questions. And so on the day of the test, he got us all together and he said, guys, It's come to my attention that some of you want to split up these questions by four ways, 25, 25, 25, 25. Everybody in the class looking at each other like, how in the world did this man know this? (laughs) And so they're like, shoot, we in trouble. I'm over here feeling good in this boy. (laughs) 
five. <laughs> so you know. And so then he said, also, I'm going to give you 10 extra minutes. So I went and took my quiz using all the things that the Lord had given me, the, the, the questions, the answers to, that the te my teacher gave me, the things he had me to study. And I ended up making a 99 on that exam. And, and I say that not to glorify the grave, I say here was an instance where I could choose little righteousness or great wonders with unrighteousness. But the, the big thing is, when you choose little with righteousness, your comfort is in the fact that God will carry you through to see you the rest of the way. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Thank you for Joshua for sharing that with us. Um, Joshua and I had a conversation. He started telling me this story. I said, can you come tell that story for me? Because I don't think I can deliver that that way you just did. But I, I thank him for that, for sharing that with us. And, and understand that when we count on God to, to direct our paths. In Joshua's story, he tells us that he was able to count on God and know the decision that he made was pleasing in God's eye. And each day we are tested or tempted by things that go on around us. But if we count on God to direct our paths and direct our decisions, we make them, then we know that we are following the desires of what God has planned for us. So I say to you, create a plan. Commit your work and count on God. God has given you direction in these scriptures to assist you with your future. Students get stressed out during this part of their life because they don't know what God's plan is for them right now. But no, it's okay. If you don't know, if you don't have the details, if you're not sure what's going to happen next and how you will get there and where you want to be. But in Proverbs 15, the Bible tells us, just create the plan. Create something. Think about what you want to go and what you want to do in life. Start thinking about it. And then once you have that, commit the plan to him. Commit the work that you do and make sure that it's glorifying and pleasing in his sight. And then the last thing we have to do is that we have to count on God in every situation. We have to trust him no matter where we are in our life, no, whether, no matter what the situation holds. He will not fail you and he will not abandon you. So I say surrender all to God and he will lead you through it. Please pray with me. God, thank you for being wondrous, holy, and mighty. Thank you also for caring about each of our lives our decisions, our struggles. Please guide us by your spirit so that we can understand your word and discern your will for our lives. Remind us each day that we must create and live by a plan that glorifies you, that we commit our work to you and do what is pleasing in your eyes, and that we also count on you to direct and guide our decisions and plans that we have surrendered to you. We pray that you direct our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace to love and all and serve, and you are dismissed. Thank you. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.